Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to be here. I shudder to put my Bibles on the floor like she's not going to read from the Word today. I am going to read from the Word today. I'm excited to be here. So uh, let, me, let me take a moment and introduce myself. My name is Lisa. This group is playing with me. This is great. Okay, so I'm gonna, I love that you guys are already engaged, but at the count of three, I'm going to give you all a chance to tell me your name. Are you ready? One, two, three. It's nice to meet you. So I kind of do that little exercise to kind of make a point because, you know, speakers are always making a point. Um, and so I'm making a point and I'm also trying to get you engaged, make sure you're paying attention because what, what's going to be said today is super important. But I want to make a point in that when we introduce ourselves to each other, typically you're like, okay, that's great. We know her name is Lisa and she maybe heard our name. I heard your name, sir. Thank you. Um, but we sometimes hear somebody's name, but isn't it true that when we meet somebody or when we begin to introduce ourselves, we're typically looking for something that we can identify that person with. We're looking for a frame of reference where we can kind of connect or make a connection with that person. So when I meet somebody, a lot of times I'll kind of, I will typically say, okay, what does this person do? Where are they from? And I'll try and find a part of who I am so that when I'm introducing myself, I can kind of connect with them in that place, kind of make it relevant, kind of make it real. So I say all that to say that in some regard, we carry around different identities or we define ourselves differently depending on who we're talking to or who we need to be in a given moment. And so there are lots of different identities that sometimes we step into and step out of. But I want to talk to you today about the core of our identity, which we all know is that we are a child of God. I was telling the first service that I get a chance uh, to minister to a lot of women's conferences. I was able to speak to your women's conferences last fall. And most of the time, the theme is always, we want you to talk to the women about their identity. And while I typically want to be like, can you please pick something else? <laughs> because I speak on it all the time. It's important because if we don't don't aren't intentional to really cultivate our identity in Christ, our identity will be hijacked by wherever we're at, whoever we're talking to in a particular moment. Now, I, I want to share with you that most people in this room probably know me as Lisa Schwartz, the founder of Crazy 8 Ministries. Now, in first service, when I said that, there was one man in the back that went, oh, and he kind of, like, it was like this light bulb moment. He made uh, all of a sudden a connection. But what you may not realize is I have a whole nother identity that I'm about to share with you. And I'm about to share with you a, a real quick snapshot, a picture of my last 25 years. So if you would, please, pop the first picture up there for me. Oh, look at this. Oh, aren't they cute? I, I was clearly too young to have four children 
And, and this morning, I had a hard time remembering who was in the picture because I've had two heats of children. I think I'm about 25 in that picture, maybe 24. This is Turner, Madison, Morgan, and Carter. Um, and they were our first, I say we first heat of children. You can go to the next picture for me, please. Um, and here I've inserted Brad, uh, my husband, and the father of these children into this picture. You can see none of them are engaged. Turner's engaged. He's like, yo, what up? But we're, you, I, you can tell I'm like just barely surviving. Look at my face. I'm like, oh, God, this kid's heavy. I'm so tired. We're at the park. There's mosquitoes. Does everybody have sunscreen on? Trying to make sure I've got all my motherly duties out of the way. And now we have to take a picture and make everything look good, right? So that's a little snapshot of how my life began 25 years ago. Go ahead with the next picture for me. And you can see we had a lovely addition. Now, we do know what causes this. Um, so we, we, we were intentional to adding um, number five. You can go ahead and add the next picture. And here you can see we have another lovely addition that we added. So now we have your crazy eight. In case you didn't know where the name came from, uh, crazy. It does have a spiritual connotation to it. Actually, means astounding new beginnings. But for this message on Mother's Day, we're going to call it all about my family and my children. So this is Turner, Madison, Morgan, Carter in the middle, Mariah, and little Caden on the on the on the the little one, the little yellow shirt guy. Okay, next picture for me, please. Now, I would be remiss if I, tell you that our fam- if I didn't tell you that our family has continued to grow. So you'll see we have a beautiful addition on the end. Um, this is Cecily Turner's wife. Now, notice in this picture how I'm starting to be engulfed. Like I'm starting to disappear in, in all of these children. My family is overtaking me. My husband's like, wait, let me get on top so everybody knows that I'm still the head of this, ha- this family. Um, and you see the crazy in the front going on. Go ahead to the next picture. And this, um, of course, is another picture of us uh, doing our family vacation. Go ahead to the next picture for me. And how we have gotten any more where we're like, we are really bad at really good professional pose pictures because we don't know which way we're looking, who's taking the picture, when are we doing it, what are we wearing. So now we just make, we capitalize on the crazy. Um, go ahead to the next picture. And most recently, we have had another addition, uh, which is Madison's fiance. They're getting married in three weeks, so we're excited about that. I think Cecily and Tanner um, have done a really great job blending in. They, they look like just part of the family, don't they? So I'm excited. This is our current family. I'm giving you a snapshot of the last 25 years of my life. I, have, um, I was trying to do the percentage. I don't know what... Eight of how many of you are there? One, two, three, four, five, and Brad, six. So if you would stand up for me, you look at there like, oh God. (laughs) You can see they've grown up beautifully and they've put up with lots of crazy. So number one, two, four, or no, five, six. Cecily would technically be seven. Um, And then of course my husband is in the back. Thank you, you guys can sit down. So I share that with you because how many of you are here because it's Mother's Day and your mom made you come because you can go sit with them. They're probably like, (laughs) Um, so I share this with you to tell you like, this has been my 25 years. Like, this is what I've done. I was a stay-at-home mom. A lot of people are like, uh, one of my kids the other day was like, what did you do before you ran Crazy Ministries? And I was like, nothing. It's my only job. It's the only thing I've ever done other than running my, one of my children is calling me. Um, and so I was like, that's the only thing uh, that I've ever done other than being a stay-at-home mom. And so I stayed at home with my kids, um, and I homeschooled them. 
And I say all this to tell you, this has been my life. And if I haven't been intentional, if I had not been intentional, if I had not, let me say, if I had not learned how to cultivate my own relationship with the Lord first, it would be very easy now that as my children are growing up and moving away, getting their own identities to say, but who am I in the midst of all of this? It's so easy for us to get our identity wrapped up in who we are, what our season is, and it doesn't matter what season season it is. So now I would be remiss if I didn't honestly intentionally say today is Mother's Day. So we're going to talk about Mother's Day. We're going to talk about being a mom. And while I know that kind of uh, comes with a lot of emotions, for some of us it comes with high emotions because uh, you love Mother's Day. You are a mother. You have wonderful children. For some of you it comes with sorrow because you've lost a mother. Maybe you've lost a child. Maybe you've never had children. For some of you it comes with a lot of anxiety because you're the husband and the pressure is on. I don't know, but This day comes with a lot of emotions, but I want to talk to you today about Mother's Day and how beautiful it is that we as moms are simply a prophetic picture of who God has called us to be as life givers. And I think that if we only said that motherhood is about naturally bearing a child in our womb, giving birth, loving them, bringing them up, we would be missing the whole metaphor, if you will, the kingdom metaphor that God has given to us to be life givers. I'm reminded in Luke chapter 1 when the angel comes to Mary. We know the story and says, you are going to be impregnated with a child and he will be called Jesus. He will be the Messiah, the son of the God most high. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you, will overshadow you, and you will bring forth a work of God. And while we obviously want to recognize the beauty of her burying Jesus, we also don't want to miss the prophetic picture that God is giving not just to women, but to men in this very room. That means this is a message for you too, men. To men in this very room, that there is a work that God is continuously putting within us, that he has called us to be life Givers, carriers of life, birthers of life, bringing the deliverance of the presence of Christ in every room we walk into. That every single one of us bear and carry the person of Jesus within us. Come on. Every single one of us in this room are called to be life givers. To be life givers. And I had to learn that Birthing life with my children was so much more than just birthing them naturally. And it was also so much more than my flesh would tell me at the time, which was I had to feed them. I had to bathe them. I had to take care of them. But I had to learn somewhere in the midst of all that, what does it look like for me to cultivate my life with Christ so that I overflow the presence of a God who is not of this world, but created this world. I'm talking about a supernatural God. I'm talking about a supernatural life. I'm talking about a supernatural love that is not taught in this world. It's not taught in this world. When I think about Eve and the name of Eve, 
The name actually means life giver. It means to live, to breathe. The Bible says in Genesis 3.20, Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. The voice says it like this. The man named his wife Eve because she was destined to become the mother of all the living. See, there is a destiny within us. I'm not just talking to women. There is a destiny that is put within us that we would be the mother, that we would carry, that we would birth things that produce the living. Go, be fruitful, and multiply. The blessing that was spoken not just over the woman but over the man. That we are to be producers of life every place that we go. See, this message doesn't disclude the gentleman in the room, but it includes all of us as the children of the living God, that we are created to be life givers, to bring forth life in every situation. In Genesis 4.1, Eve says this, Only with the help of the Lord have I brought forth life. Like Eve, Mary responds to the angel saying, this is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord as his servant. I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. Like Eve, Mary was relying on the help of God to help her bring forth life, to be the carrier of life. But many of us in this room try to live our life out of our own strength, under the perception and the deception of the world. As moms, we try to keep up with the perceptions of motherhood. Can I tell you that when I was a child, I dreamt about being a mother. I had baby dolls. I would wrap them up with babies. I would play house. It was, it was that destiny that was within me. It was all I wanted to be. I had already given myself the identity of being a mother. And I got married when we were 18, and I had my first child, and he cried all the time. All the, he is in this room. Look at him. He's like, mm-hmm. And listen, when I say he cried, it wasn't the cute cry. It was the screeching, I want to pull my face off, what is wrong with my child, but more so, what's wrong with me that I can't stop my child from crying? And it was a real blow because you know what the world had told me? The world had discipled me. You know, we're all being discipled by something. The world had discipled me and said, here's what it's going to look like when you have a newborn baby. You're going to be sitting in your nursery. You're going to be wearing a white gown. Your hair is going to be showered and beautiful. And your child is going to be sleeping in your arms. You are going to look rested. And you are going to be thin. You will have no baby fat on you. You will not be leaking anywhere from your body, ladies. Baby will be sleeping and the nursery will be clean. There will not be any dirty diapers. This is what I thought motherhood was going to be like. And I was sorely deceived. (laughs) I was very deceived. And what happened was I ended up going into this spiral of depression. 
and really struggling with feeling rejected by my child that wouldn't stop crying, feeling rejected by my own standards that I couldn't seem to live up to, that the world had told me was important. I would go to church. I would do all the right things. I couldn't understand for the life of me when I would get to church, I did not understand how they had their children's hair done. This was, this was amazing to me. I was like, these women are super moms, okay? When, when I got up here today, I want to be like, congratulations, you made it to church. Because we deserve a medal if we get here. I cannot tell you how many times I left the diaper bag on top of my car. I, we, I used to, my children can attest to this, I would put them to bed in the clothes they were going to wear to church because it was one less thing I had to do on Sunday morning to try and get there on time. And so I would have everything. Do you remember that? They're like, we are not speaking. We withhold the right to speak. Um, And so my point is, is I was like in survival mode. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, whether you're a mom at home or whether you're a husband at work, or whether you're a woman in the workplace, it doesn't matter what you do. Most days, our mentality is, I just got to survive this day. And that is not from God. God says, I've put a life within you that you would stand high upon the heights and you would conquer every place you put your foot. That I have put a life within you that is not of this world. That any place that you go, it will not navigate you, but you will navigate it. God says that you are not supposed to be driven by life, driven by your children, driven by your schedule, driven by your finances, but I have given you the creativity, the authority, and the power to design the life you want to live. That's what God says. That I've put a life in you that every place you go, that as you exhale, life will be released in the room. That's what it means to be a life giver. But most of the time, we're just surviving the moment, trying to get through the situation. I remember when my children were little thinking, oh, when they're six weeks old, I, y'all, I did not like the newborn stage. I, don't, I think I will love it as a grandma, but I, I did not like it because, I mean, I, was, I struggled hormonally. I struggled with depression. I struggled, and then I had all these kids, and I was like, what is happening? I'm being overtaken. And, and so I struggled with that newborn feeling. So I'd be like, as soon as they're six weeks, as soon as they're sleeping through the night, I can't wait till they can sit up on their own. Or when they, or when they go to school, or when they graduate from my, And isn't it true that often we have those benchmarks that we're looking forward to, and we spend our life accomplishing something and going, whew, I'm glad that's over, instead of saying, I'm going to celebrate what I just accomplished. That's the difference. I talk about this a lot at work. When we get to an event, a lot of times our inclination is after the event to be like, whew, we're glad that's over. But we intentionally say, when this event is over, we're going to celebrate. Because we don't want to live. We don't want our job to be like, ugh, and when we get over this fundraiser, when we get past City on a Hill, when we get past this next evaluation of our residents, whew, okay, that's over. No. We celebrate. Look at what we accomplished. We did it. High five. 
And if we have that mentality, it begins to shift things, but we can have that mentality when we're looking to God to identify our success, to be our evaluator, to be the greater of how we're doing, but too often we allow the world, the looks of the world, the looks of other I talked to first servant of service this morning. I said, ladies, we are not nice. We can be very cruel beings. The husbands are like. <laughs> not listening, not making a face, not nodding, do nothing. But the reality is, you know, we do little things like, oh, did your mommy forget your jacket at home? And we say things like that, that if we're not careful, begin to impress negativity, discouragement. This is what it looks like to be a good mom. We fight this all the time with the women that come into our program. The ways of the world telling them that this is what it looks like for you to be a good mom. You have to do this. You have to do this. You should be feeding your kids this. You should be doing all of these things. But nowhere in there is the step back and say, but what about you? What about you as a mom? What are you doing to take care of you? And that's what I really want to talk to you about today. Because if we're going to step into the fullness of who we are as a life giver, we got to cultivate life in our own heart. we got to step into life before we can be life. We got to know what it means to be saturated with a life that doesn't come from the definition of the world, but comes from an almighty God. And there is sweet peace in that place because the reality is, I guarantee you, I have let every single one of these children down. And I guarantee you that sometime in the near future, I will probably let them down again. But I don't find my identity in them. I find my identity in God, but I have to be intentional. Every place that I go, Typically, people recognize me. They know Lisa Schwartz, whatever, crazy administration. And I'm not saying that to be arrogant. I'm saying that to say, that is not who I am. I am saying that to say, yes, that's what I do. It's the gift that God, it's the assignment of the Lord. It's a purpose that is within me, but it is not who I am. Who I am is a child of God. And I bow at his feet on a daily basis and I remind myself, this is my spot. This is me. This is who I am. This is where I find who I really am. And it's sweet in that spot. It is so sweet in that spot. There's so, I have no idea where I'm at in my notes. Is this completely different? I don't know. So I struggled. So when my, when my kids were little with, with depression, with feeling lonely, with the pressures of the world, and, and I, I went to church on a regular basis, and a lot of times I would go to church, and, they, and I, went to those, I went to those mom's groups, you know. And um, y'all, how many of you have never heard me speak before? Okay. Uh, how many of you have heard me speak Okay, so you'll know I'm just, call it like I see it, I'm extremely transparent. But I'm just going to be honest with you, I would go to these mom's groups and do these Bible studies, and for me, all they did was exacerbate how much I was falling short. All the things I should be doing, need to be doing, what a mother looks like, what a woman should do, and then we're having a potluck, and by the way, you need to make a casserole. And I hate to cook. It's a miracle that my children have survived my cooking. You are looking at a living miracle over here. And so it's just like, 
there's these pressures and these things that need to be. And so I was like, this, all this is doing is, is exposing how poorly I feel like I am performing, come on, as a woman, as a mother. Because there's this standard that the world puts on us. There's a standard that the church puts on us. And there's a standard that we put upon ourselves. Because at some point, I finally had to just say, listen, I can't do all this. I can't, I can't be all things, all times, and all people, and look good, and have lipstick on, and get rest. My children were up through the night. I think I went, we, we chuckle now because I sleep all the time. I, it's like 9.15, I'm out. I got to go to sleep. And I'm like, I am making up for 20 years of lost sleep. And so I said, so I'm trying to make up for all of that. And so I remember very clearly uh, one year, I am going to finish this story. Liz today was like, you started this story. It's my favorite story, and you didn't finish it. I also told the first service that I was cleaning sheep and feeding poop. I meant to say that I was, what was I mean? Cleaning up poop and feeding sheep, which I'm going to tell you that story in a minute. So uh, we, I went to McDonald's one day, and I'm there with all my friends um, from church, from the mom's group. We go after our Bible study, and we're hanging out, and our kids are playing. And I'm sitting there, and, you know, I'm, I was exhausted. I was exhausted. And my husband worked two jobs. He worked the overnight. He was also coaching. He was also going to school. And so he wasn't home a lot. I was at home with the kids, and, and I'm, like, really trying to figure out my relationship with God. I'm trying to figure out what it looks like to be a mom. Like, this is how I was raised because I was a first-generation Christian. This is how I was raised, but this is what the church is telling me. But this is my reality, you know? And so there was this huge disconnect. So I'm sitting there with these women, and we're all, like, happy-faced, you know, and we're all like, no, no, Johnny, no, don't do that. Mommy says no, you know, trying to be sweet. And I'm like wanting to do the yank and spank, you know, because that's what I did. And uh, look, they're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they survived. They have had therapy, but they have survived. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm like wanting to do the yank and spank, you know. And uh, I kid you not, at one point I just finally started to cry. I just lost my stuff. I said stuff because I'm at a pulpit. Um, but I really lost some other stuff too. Uh, but I lost my stuff and I just started to cry. And, and they're staring at me like, what's wrong with her? And in fairness, I had just had number four. Um, so I really was leaking out of every orifice of my body. And so I was tired. I was exhausted. And so I said, do you all just ever feel like you're so exhausted you could die? Like, I was so exhausted. I felt like I could die. And or you feel like you've just totally lost yourself. When was the last time you had a shower or a bath without somebody being in it with you? Like, when was the last time you had a meal that was hot? And I feel like some days I'm going to kill my mother-in-law. Cecily. <laughs> She's like, no. So I, I literally just got to this place where I just couldn't take it anymore. And I began to cry. And I took off this mask and I began to be vulnerable and real. And one by one, each one of these women began to drop their masks and began to be honest 
and begin to share how they were struggling with the same things. And it was probably one of the most pivotal points in my life. It was the very beginning of my ministry when I began to realize that to connect, we've got to be vulnerable. We've got to real, we've got to be real, we've got to give people permission to take off the mask. But more than that, we've got to press beyond what we've been taught and really discover what is the key here. What are we missing? What are we not doing right? Because all of the magazines we're reading, all the articles that we're reading, all of the classes that we're going to that are telling us, this is how you need to get more organized. This is how you do a recipes. This is how you do your diet book. This is how you do, you know, uh, shopping on a budget. And this is how you clip coupons. And, and oh my gosh, did you get your kids' photo albums done? And you don't take pictures. You don't have a baby book. All of these things. And, and it was like so overwhelming to me. And we just decided to be honest and be real. And that day we started what we called our own mom's group, where we just decided we're going to get together and we're going to hang out and not do a Bible study because that was too much pressure because I would just show up and be like, I didn't have time to do it because I'm lucky I am alive right now. And so, and we really began to talk about what it looks like to invite God into our homes and what it looks like to really live with Christ and not go to church and then go home. You follow what I'm saying? Go to church, go to your Bible study, and then go home. Like there was a big disconnect there. And I write on this story a lot in my very first book and talking about the importance of discipleship. But I'm telling you this to tell you that I had to learn what it looks like to cultivate my own relationship with the Lord. Not rely, listen, I'm, y'all, I'm not bashing the church. I love the church. The church is necessary. It is biblical. And you should not forsake the assembling of the people. But I'm saying if you are looking to the church to be your God, you are off the mark. If you are looking to the church to cultivate your relationship with God for you, you are missing the mark. If you are looking to your children to make you feel better, if you are looking, ladies, to your husband to be the lover of your soul, you're missing the mark. Because there is a love that we have been given that is not of this world. And there are sweet moments when your babies look at you and you get a glimpse of Jesus in their face, but there are a lot other moments that will make you feel like, I don't know what land I'm living in. And if you are not intentional to back out of those places, shut your bedroom door, shut your closet door, put a lock on your bathroom and say, mommy needs a timeout, you are going to be overtaken you will be eaten alive. And this is not just talking about moms in the house. I'm talking about in the workplace. I mean, come on, women, men who are in the workplace. We can be overtaken by our jobs. If we are not intentional to say, I can't be life until I'm saturated by life. And we are destined to carry life within us. But too often we allow life to pull from us because we're not being overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit who will come upon you and be impregnated with a work that is not of this world. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being impregnated with the person of God. We know the old saying that says, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? 
The, the Bible tells us that every wise woman encourages and builds up her family, but a foolish woman over time will tear it down by her own actions. Now, I like to call this your Holy Spirit inheritance, saying that there's an inheritance that we've been given. It's the anointing of the Most High God that we would build up our homes and build up our family. That is your Holy Spirit inheritance. It's what's been given to you and impressed into you. And you alone have the power to bring forth Forth life or death into your home just by what you're carrying. I'm not talking about what you're doing. I'm talking about who you are. I, I asked my children this week, I said, humor me, share with me some of your favorite childhood memories. Tell me some of the things that most spiritually impacted you as a child. I was kind of throwing myself out there, hoping they would give me good things. Um, and the number one thing all of them said was we remember that you memorize or you spoke the scriptures, the Psalms, word for word, and recorded them, and we would listen to them as we fell asleep. Memorizing verses, they remember. When you would go outside and play hide and seek with us, can I tell you when I was outside playing hide and seek, I had this anxiety inside of me because I needed to be doing laundry. But they don't remember that I didn't do laundry. They remember that I played hide and seek with them. In fact, one of the memories was, my favorite memory was running and jumping into the pile of laundry in the basement. <laughs> my greatest point of failure is one of their points of celebration. Isn't that crazy? See, they don't remember that I didn't always have the house orderly or tidy or that we didn't, that they weren't dressed. Maybe they do. Look, look, look. Yes, we do. <laughs> Or that they had their hair in little ponytails that matched with the perfect part down the side. And they remember those things, but those weren't the things that they said had left the impact on them. Two of my children said, greatest spiritual impact is when you started Crazy 8 Ministries. Because here's the deal. Everything that I did in the home was my training ground for where God has me today. And that's not to diminish the importance of what I did in the home, but there was a purpose for me outside of my home. I'm telling you, there's a purpose for you outside of your identity as a mother. Because for years, God spoke to me that you shall be like David, who was out in the field feeding the sheep and cleaning the poop. I got it right that time. He was feeding sheep and cleaning poop, faithful in what he did. Getting, can you imagine how mundane that was? Every day doing the same thing over and over and over again. And scripture doesn't say, but I wonder where did David learn to worship so powerfully that he was ultimately ushered in to the presence of a king because of his ability to worship. I can't help but think it had to have been in the field. That in the midst of getting caught up with the daily mundane activities of feeding the sheep, cleaning their poop, that in the midst of all of that, he was learning how to cultivate his own relationship with the Lord, which ultimately is what ushered him in to the presence of a king. Come on. I'm telling you that the Bible says that when you're faithful in the small things, I will give you charge over 10 cities. Where did you learn to run a shelter with so many women and so many children and now with men in my own home? Where did you learn to deal with conflict, to peer mediate in my own home? 
teaching my children, being faithful where God had me, which, which is what seemed. So I'm telling you that when we're faithful and it seems there are different seasons of life and we go through seasons that seem to be mundane, that seem to be overwhelming, that we feel like we're just trying to survive. But if we're intentional, if we're intentional to recognize the hand of God in that place, we will know that all things are working together for good. That God is using all things for such a time as this. That there is not a moment, not a time in your life that God has not been intentional to prepare you for your tomorrow. And we've got to learn that God is working even in this. I remember singing with a group of women having a newborn baby who messed his pants during our practice. And I remember laying him out on the altar to change his diaper and the Lord beginning to speak to me even through that. And just as you come to the altar of my presence, so I clean you up, I wipe away the stink. And he began to speak to me through every part of my life, everything that I was doing, preparing me for such a time as this, for such a time as this. But if I wasn't careful, life would be stolen from me instead of me knowing I'm created to bring forth life to bring forth life. And that's what we do in Crazy Eight Ministries. It's called Astounding New Beginnings. We tell people that we bring these people into the housing program. We call it like a womb. We pull them back into the womb. We break their life down. We put it back together with Christ. And we deliver them back out into the world. Turning societal consumers into societal producers, which is who God has called us to be. Go, be fruitful, multiply, stand upon the earth, have dominion and subdue. Be confident. Do not have life taken from you, but recognize that there is a destiny within you to bring forth life. I want to read to you out of Psalm 63. Because I clung to this psalm. This was a psalm that I would pray so often when I was in my closet and when I was telling my kids, if you knock on that door, you will be spanked. And I would, t- I would tell my children, there are three emergencies. Fire. Vomiting. Profuse bleeding. Do not come to me with a hangnail. Those are the only three ways you can be, because listen, I'm saying this because I had to learn to set boundaries so that I could cultivate life within me in order to be life around me. And it took me a long time to figure that out because the world tells us to be a mom, we have to sacrifice everything. And we're dying on the inside. We're exhausted and we're resentful. I shared with the first service, we've become like Martha's, busy, And irritated with the Marys who have learned how to rest. Because Mary had set a healthy boundary and said, this is where I need to be right now. And I know the world is telling me this is what I should be doing. But God says, this is my spot. And Martha was worried, anxious, and bitter. That's what Jesus said. Because she was caught up with the pressures of the world. And when I learned to be a Mary, I would saturate myself in the presence of the Lord. And this is the psalm I would pray on a regular basis. O God of my life, I am lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. 
I thirst with the deepest longings to love you more. With cravings in my heart that can't be described. Such yearnings grip my soul for you, oh my God. I am energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary to seek more of your power and to drink in more of your glory. Your tender mercies, they mean more to me than life itself. Is that our truth? Or is that just something we pray? Are we looking for the tender mercies of our children? Get over it. Saturate yourself in the presence of the Lord. How I love and I praise you, God. Daily I worship you passionately with all my heart. My arms will wave to you like a banner of praise. See, it was going on and on and on with passion. I pursue and I cling to you because I feel your grip on my life and I keep my soul close to your heart. I often wonder now because we call the two littles the two littles. And they're not nearly, I'm going to confess to you, they're not nearly as astute in the scriptures as my four older ones are. And so I'm clinging to the fact that the scripture says a lot more is going to be caught than is taught. Because I did all the right things with my four older kids, but I wasn't always the right person. And I'm not always the right person today, but I'd like to propose that because God is ever increasing in me, I'm a lot more the right person today than I was 20 years ago. And I'm clinging to the fact that it's not about what I do with them, but it's about who I am when I'm with them. That I'm walking in joy, that I'm walking in love, and I'm not just surviving life, but I'm celebrating every moment. I'm going to close with this. In Ephesians 2, 18 through 20, and I'm just going to read this almost as a prayer. So if you guys want to close your eyes, I'm just going to pray it over you. This is Paul's prayer. He says, and I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your inmost being with his divine power and explosive power. We need a flood. We need a flood in our inmost being of a life that we're not gonna get from this world. When we're exhausted and life is being taken from, I need to be flood with the supernatural strength of the riches of God's glory. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and the root of your life. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, he is the source. He is the root of life. We will not be life until we saturate ourselves in life. That's what it means in Psalm 1. My kids can probably recite it in due motions. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, upon which he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, and whatever he does prospers. Not so with the wicked, but they are like chaff that the wind blows away. And I taught my kids to say saturated. And there were times when I taught them that verbally, but I would like to say that they learned because they watched me. Because if I don't have this source, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. It goes on to say, 
then you will be empowered. Everybody say, I am empowered. Everybody say it like you mean it. I am empowered. I am empowered to discover what the Holy One experiences. That's me. That I want to experience the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all of its dimensions. How deeply intimate, how far-reaching, how enduring, how inclusive, endless love beyond measurement that transcends my understanding. It transcends my schedule. It transcends my chore chart. It transcends it all. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled, listen, to an overflowing fullness of life. Life giver, life giver. Father, I thank you that you haven't called us to be what you haven't first impressed into us. Everybody take a nice deep breath in and breathe in the breath of God. And as you release it, just feel his life pouring out of you into this room. As we as a people of God bear life, carry life, bring forth life, speak life, because we are living lives of celebration. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com.